Welcome to another bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. This is sort of a uh, service journalism sort of bonus episode because, as y'all know, uh, you know, I took most of last week off, and who knew that it was going to be the busiest news week of the tech calendar last week? Um, I felt bad because obviously um, I, you know, was uh, doing Thanksgiving things. I feel like I sort of left y'all hanging in terms of the the chronology, the TikTok of what actually ended up happening with the Sam Altman saga. So I reached out to Alex Conrad from Forbes to literally just jump on with me and let's go through the timeline so that I don't feel like I dropped the ball. I feel like at least y'all have a, uh, an understanding of what happened. So Alex, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, that was, you know, you know what the, the, the thing that um, that weekend reminded me of was the whole Silicon Valley weekend, Silicon Valley Bank weekend, right? Uh, where all of a sudden things were crazy and then almost by Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, everything was fixed and it was over. Um, but crazy, crazy what, four or five days? Yeah, it was um, it was basically five days, um, four four mostly to to get the resolution because we kind of had answers early Wednesday morning, late Tuesday night. If like me, you know, you were you were working in the small hours of the morning. So again, I I just want to I I want to do the chronology to make sure that we didn't drop anything. So let's let's start in the way back with the idea that uh, as we know. OpenAI was originally a nonprofit, sort of a Switzerland of AI development that then, because there's so much capital needed to, to, to develop AI technology, created a for-profit arm. But the for-profit arm was underneath the nonprofit, which was controlled by a board of directors. Um, do we know... I mean, the, the, one of the things, and, and you can address this right now or we can get into it later, the board was bigger until recently. Like, um, uh, uh, who was it? A uh, uh, LinkedIn guy was on there. There was a bunch of people on there that left, and then it became the smaller board recently. What do we know about the composition of the board and and what their what they maybe saw their role was? Yeah, so, so the board had dropped a lot in 2023. Um, you'd had three people leave earlier in the year, kind of one at a time. And it got a little bit of coverage, but it wasn't like that added up to a red alert that anyone was talking about publicly. I don't even think Sam Altman necessarily saw it as a red alert um, at the right, time. Because, because course, like when, yeah. when, when Reed Hoffman left, it was what we were told was it was because he was invested in a competitor or something. It wasn't like they were cleaning house on the board, right? It was, it was, each one had a different reason. Mm. So you had um, Reed Hoffman leave because he wanted to invest more in startups that might be competing with OpenAI. And OpenAI was getting more and more interwoven in the startup ecosystem, uh, looking to do its own startup investments. You had Sam Altman doing his own startup investments. OpenAI was expanding its products, like it had its developer day early in the month. And so, I think it was getting very difficult for Reed to be on the board of the nonprofit and also be at Greylock, which was trying to be and is still trying to be a very active AI startup investor. So that's why Reed stepped down. Um, then you had Shyvon Zillis, who is at Neuralink and um, is closely tied to Elon Musk. Uh, she, you know, carried several of his children by surrogate. Um, that made headlines, um, and she had been part of sort of the Elon AI team, you know, obviously for, for the audience who don't know, Elon was, was there at the beginning of OpenAI as well, um, styles himself as a co-founder, helped seed some of the capital and then left when he said, Hey, let me run this thing. And they did not agree to that. Um, and he's, he's tweeted or posted whatever you want to say a ton about that if anyone's interested, but so Shyvon, uh, leaves as Elon, is thinking about starting his own rival AI service, XAI. Um, so she's gone. And then you have a third person, um, this guy, Will Hurd, who was a congressperson from Texas, who wanted to run for president uh, in the Republican ticket. And his campaign has already ended and ended before this controversy earlier this fall. So short-lived presidential campaign, but got him off the board. So that almost suggests this was almost accidental that like in a way um 
this was just attrition that maybe they weren't on top of like reconstituting the board it number one is that what it feels like and then number two did that almost leave sort of a rump on the board that had different interests than maybe the business side and sam altman had so this this started to come out um through some of the more in-depth uh retrospective reporting that came out, like uh, The Atlantic did a nice piece, Bloomberg did a piece where they looked at sort of what had happened in those months. Um, we looked at just sort of the, at Forbes, the potential ties of the current board, and I'm happy to talk about who was on that current board, or, or at least board until last week. Um, but with, with these people, it was like there was this drip, 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 and then the reporting basically is that people were arguing over the summer about who should be replacements. So there, there wasn't consensus on how to refill those positions. Okay. It was punted down the road. That happens a lot and it doesn't lead to catastrophe, but in this standpoint, it led to a small board suddenly having more influence while there was the impasse. So that extant small board, um, again, because it was this mix of, you know, uh, folks in the Valley that are business focused and folks that are maybe, um, philosophically focused or, or research focused or whatever did that accidentally you can you can speak to who was remaining on the board was it almost accidental that there were folks the remaining board was more leaning towards the um you know let's let's be cautious let's not go too fast into monetizing and things like that is 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 that sort of where we found ourselves two weeks ago yeah the, the people who were left um there, there were basically, there were a couple of open AI people. So, so there were the remaining founders of um, Sam Altman, of course, his president, Greg Brockman, who was also chairman of the board until that Friday, two Fridays ago. And then um, you had uh, Ilya Sutskiver, who is the chief scientist, co-founder. Um, th they were kind of the, the employee side. Then you had um, Adam D'Angelo, the CEO of Quora and former CTO of Facebook. Um, and he... Uh, was kind of the only active independent CEO, active CEO. Then you had a couple people who were coming more from the policy side. Um, so Helen Toner um, and Tasha McCauley. Tasha uh, had been the founder of startups in the past. Helen is at Georgetown working on AI safety policy. And they were kind of there coming more from this um, academic or safety perspective. Um, they also are on another board to, or sort of policy group together thinking about this stuff. And so they, they were definitely coming from maybe outside that active Silicon Valley operator uh, camp. So to, to get us into the timeline now, um, one of the things that I read in early reporting was that it was that demo day from earlier in the month when um, a bunch of products were announced and, and, you know, clearly the, they were moving forward uh, full speed ahead in terms of developing uh, new products and, and things like that. Um, and, and the early reporting suggested that that board, that was almost like the last straw because they were already thinking things were moving too fast. There's been reporting also that um, like the whole launch of ChatGPT sort of was a surprise to certain people um, in terms of, wait, are we ready for this and things like that. Um, so is the understanding now that this reached ahead because of the the demo day and or i mean i guess we should start to talk about like what <laughs> what the board has really never told us which is to the degree that they had lost confidence and or trust in sam altman as ceo yeah uh we could take that in different directions i'll wind back to a year ago um when ChatGPT went nuts over the holiday season um, it did take OpenAI by surprise. Uh, we had one of the first interviews with Sam Altman kind of during that craze early this year, um, you know, so about 10 months ago. And he and Greg Brockman told me at the time that they really didn't anticipate ChatGPT being such a big hit. They thought GPT-4 would be the real, you know, aha, eureka moment for for most people. And, and OpenAI... Uh, thought about maybe not even releasing ChatGPT, at least the way that it was. So no one here really anticipated 
the lightning in a bottle moment that would happen about a year ago and kind of the crazy months since. And so there, there have been a couple of really good accounts of sort of how OpenAI um, handled that. I know like multiple books are being written about this, not by me, sadly, but um, I, I think the consensus opinion from this great reporting and, and from sort of the other accounts is that, you know, OpenAI, like a lot of startups scrambled to take advantage of this crazy opportunity they had and, and these technological breakthroughs they were happening. And then at the same time, you know, you have this research arm and sort of these kind of non-corporate types who are like, wait a second, what the hell is going on? Right. So, so actually the you could argue that the light there was kind of warning signs for this along the way. It's just that everything was moving so fast that none of us were really like focused on that. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance, so literally no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists. I have personally used ZocDoc to find a podiatrist when I needed one for the first time ever in my life. Go to ZocDoc.com techmeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash techmeme. ZocDoc.com slash techmeme. Whenever I need to do financial research for this show, for instance, during tech earnings season, when I have to analyze how various companies' stocks have been performing, I only ever turn to our sponsor today, Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They are the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. So as best we can understand, by the way, I have a, a great literary agent if you want to shop a book around me. <laughs> I could put you in touch. Um, so apparently the board is has been thinking, we're moving too fast. Maybe we need to put the brakes on this. Like I did a story like the week before that, even saying that the board was even tasked with if AGI actually happened, they were going, they, they, it was within their purview to shut down the for-profit arm because once AGI was developed, then you don't need the for-profit anymore because this was the goal of, of the enterprise to begin with. Um, so the move on, what was it? Uh, the, November 17th. So that Friday, they basically do a zoom with Sam and say, uh, by the way, you're out. Um, what do, what do we know at this point? The role it was that, a Google, Google Meet. Google. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. I, which I, was, which became a meme because, uh, oh. it wasn't a Microsoft Teams. Microsoft, oh, right, right. Oh, you know, bought 49% right, right. of the for-profit company has given billions of dollars to OpenAI <laughs> and yet OpenAI well, could not be bothered to in use that, it. In that so. period of time when, when supposedly Microsoft was going to hire everybody, didn't one of the... <laughs> I, I read one of the things that they said is you don't even have to use Teams, or maybe that was a joke. <laughs> but 
Uh, yeah, Mark Benioff also was tweeting like, OpenAI employees, come to Salesforce. You can use whatever right. tool you like. So, yeah. Okay. So basically, this call is sort of, you know, th- th- those first hours, everyone was like, there has to be something really bad here because, you know, Sam Altman was just within hours ha- giving interviews to various places. Like, th- he had no idea this was coming. At this point, what do we know about the role that Ilya Suskaver? Uh, played in this. Like, if the board has decided they want Sam out, it feels to me now, in retrospect, reading the timeline again, that Ilya was sort of like the muscle that they brought in to to make this coup happen. I mean, if you look at if you look at these people, uh, Greg Brockman, I think, is the Jim Jim Rat of the of the group. Uh, Ilya's not not going to usually be called muscle, but mentally, okay, okay. Uh, probably. Um, I think I think you know. If you look back to July, OpenAI published a blog post where they announced that Ilya was going to be co-leading an effort along something called super alignment. And they said that OpenAI would be dedicating as much as 20% of its compute to this project. Basically, what it means in layman's terms is uh, an effort to understand how we would be training and correcting and kind of supervising an AI once it became smarter than us. Like, how would humans maintain some sort of reins when they are no longer uh, the mental horsepower? And so Ilya was clearly already thinking about this a lot starting in the summer. Um, I think from a credibility standpoint, you know, he was the technical lead and the co-founder with sort of the, the most architectural kind of, you know, tech architecture side uh, experience here. And so, yeah, of anyone on the board, he was the one who would know what they were building that might be concerning and would have maybe the credibility to tell Sam you're out. You know, I think if it, if it had been driven by a policy person, that would have been very different. Um, and yeah, so it was Ilya, it's our understanding who basically pulled the trigger on the Friday without him, none of this happens. So essentially, even though he eventually backtracks on this, he was on board with the coup, if we're going to call it that in, in inverted commas, um, initially. Yeah, I mean, it's our understanding that you had um, these two people, uh, Helen Toner and Tasha McCauley, you had Adam D'Angelo, and then you had Ilya as kind of the four who were like, you're out. Sam had Greg's vote by proxy, but Sam wasn't given a vote. So it, it looked like it was four to zero in that situation. Right. That was the, the first sign that... Um this wasn't like, oh, we've, there's a scandal here. The, f- the first sign that this was something else was when Greg Brockman says he's quitting uh, because Sam has been fired. Okay, so again, I'm going to jump into the timeline. We don't have to necessarily jump on any of these pieces, but like, so then uh, Mira Marathi, um is the interim CEO, named as the interim CEO by the board. Last what, 24 hours? Less than that? Uh, yeah, I think it was like 48 hours, something right. like that. Um, but Mira, you know, to be clear, Mira um, didn't speak out publicly against Sam. Right. She was even by even by 24 hours later, she was sending hearts on Twitter and um, reportedly pretty much right away was trying to negotiate for Sam and Greg to come back. So it's it's very unclear if Mira was ever really right on board on the anti Sam team. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and also, wasn't she one of the first ones that says to the board, okay, so why was he fired and the board does not give her an answer? Right. Um, so I, I, one thing I did is I spoke to some of the leading comms folks in Silicon Valley as this was unfolding to be like, what the heck is going on with the messaging here? Um, because it was really weird. Uh, you know, from the initial press release that OpenAI issued at sort of market close on Friday, um, it sounded like maybe it was personal misconduct or something, you know, like, like maybe saying he did not communicate enough with the board. Was right. Like a euphemism, Th- right. You know what? Right? That's, that's funny because again, uh, uh, this is a little inside baseball, but all of us behind the scenes are saying, well, there, uh, he's not being upfront or something or candor or whatever the, the term was. And we're all thinking, okay, there's a personal scandal. There's financial something, something, something. Right. And um, so, right. Those first hours, that's what we were all waiting for. And then if it was like, okay, the, there was also rumors, maybe OpenAI is running out of cash. Maybe he's offered mm. some insane deal to a potential new partner that upset everybody. 
Uh, maybe Microsoft's upset. Who knows? Like, but that narrative wasn't really alluded to at all in this in the public statement. And then when Greg Brockman, as you noted, resigns and sides with Sam, it's it's sort of like, okay, well, what would be big enough to push out Sam, right. but isn't necessarily big enough that Greg would wouldn't side with him, right? And so we were all kind of left grasping for straws there because it didn't make sense. And I think Mira and a lot of people at OpenAI felt the same way. They were like, what the hell is going on? Well, and and then the, 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 the other crazy bit about this is, is again, Microsoft not being given the heads up on this. So like, even if you were trying to do a coup for real, um, you would line up your, I mean, I guess they could assume that Microsoft was, was on Sam's side unless there was something really, really bad. But the fact that you blindside Microsoft almost, to me, looking back on this now, that dooms it because Microsoft is going to... Microsoft's endgame, and we can talk about this later, they don't want to absorb OpenAI. They don't want to hire everyone from OpenAI. Somebody smarter than me wrote about this uh, this week, about how if they can basically control OpenAI, but it's not theirs so that it, their fingerprints aren't on the bad stuff and they can take credit for all the good stuff. That's the best case scenario. So to me, this was doomed from the beginning for various reasons. Obviously, the, the, the employees wanted to go with Sam, but also the fact that Microsoft was blindsided by this and probably never wanted it made it doomed from the beginning. Do you agree? You, you look skeptical. If they had felt they had a smoking gun against Sam Altman um, and done a real investigation, they could have then told investors and partners, hey, we're doing this. And Sam probably would have had a heads up and had a chance to defend himself as well, right? Like a serious board proceeding. Um, The fact that none of that had clearly happened suggested that something else was going on and definitely suggested maybe a weaker or like more tenuous position by the anti-SAM camp, right? Like if they felt that the more people who know, the less likely we are to succeed, mm. that's that's not a great vote of confidence in your in your position. Right. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna go back to the timeline now. This would be the Saturday, what would that be? The, the 18th. So then all of a sudden it immediately, the, the rumors come out that maybe the board is in discussions with Sam to come back. Maybe Sam and Greg Brockman are pitching a new AI startup to investors. Um, the the whole idea then that the, a memo comes out that it wasn't due to malfeasance or related financial... So, by, by Saturday, we know that this is sort of a power play. Um, I keep using the word coup. Maybe that's unfair to the board. Um, then... There's also there, there. The board is shopping around to other potential uh, CEOs. Uh, certain people uh, turn it down. Um, at this point, uh, I, I guess you know Satya and Microsoft are in touch with Sam right away. By Saturday and Sunday, definitely, um, there the moves are being made in the background to try to. If, if defenestrate is a word, then refenestrate Sam. Um, and with Microsoft's backing, with, with, with other investors' backing. Um, so is it almost immediate that people are like, whoa, 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 let's, let's roll this back? Yeah, I, I think um, I might have been the first to call it a counter coup mm-hmm. <laughs> online. Mm-hmm. Um, there was momentum for a counter coup right away. Um, I think, you know, the. The executives of OpenAI um, asked for the board to give the smoking gun evidence uh, to show what why they did what they did. They did not receive that, and I think pretty much right away they're they're not happy with the decision. You have people like Marathi and others trying to figure out how to get the uh, you know leadership back. At the same time, those investors that didn't get any advance warning, which was a story um, we broke on the Friday. By Saturday, we wrote a story of Forbes about how they were trying to figure out their options. They didn't obviously have any direct board control or any uh, clear leverage, but they were you know, on the side of the employees who were kind of agitating. They were on the side of Microsoft, which was pissed off. And so there's this kind of al- alignment or, or uh, alliance of, of three camps here who all want Sam back. And the board gets increasingly isolated. Right, because to me... I don't know if this is Saturday or Sunday, but the, the the nuclear play was when that open letter that's signed by like 95% of OpenAI's employees 
say, you know, we're out of here unless you bring Sam back. Like that's that's Sunday night. So Saturday okay. night, there right. was the night of the hearts. Right. If you remember this, yes. the emoji yes. hearts. Yes. So late Saturday night uh, into Sunday, uh, all these OpenAI employees start uh, sharing a Sam Altman tweet uh, with with hearts on it. And, and that was them kind of raising their hands. And then tw tw about 24 hours later, Sunday night into Monday morning, you get a letter that is even more drastic, an open letter. And so uh, do you agree with me that that is the point where it's like, well, this is over? Because and, 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 and Microsoft hasn't even announced that they're hiring Sam yet, but it's clear that like OpenAI could be a could not be a going concern by Monday if the entire staff is like we out right you know um, was that sort of the 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 tipping point that's like well board you've lost it's now just a, a matter of what you can negotiate at, on your way to bring this to a reversal. I don't think it was over yet. Okay. I think that there was a real chance on Sunday that someone who has a lot of credibility uh, says yes, maybe to the interim CEO job. At the same time, Sam says, you know what? I just want to do a new startup after all. Um, and I don't want to come back, even if it's offered to me. Yeah, that you know, is interesting because this is like he has he has been burned. And this is an opportunity to not have this weird half and half structure. Just be like, I I've already proven that this is the hottest startup of this AI moment. Like, I'll just go over here and not have to deal with any of this headache um, and just do a, a new thing. So do you have any idea as to why he was amenable to coming back to OpenAI? Yeah. So speaking to um, people who were around Sam at the time, um, my understanding was that he, A, wanted the best outcome for advancing the technology as fast as possible. And I think going to do your own startup, you have the control to do that, but you do waste a lot of time getting back to where you were. He could have maybe used open source yeah. models or tried to speed run what he'd already done, but you do lose time with that. And then two, it, it becomes a, uh, a lot of collateral damage for what you've already built and your employees. And I do think that he felt a sense of responsibility to have as good an outcome as possible for the general staff. So I, I think it ended up not being his top priority. Like, I want to go do a startup. But I think it was something that um, if OpenAI had somehow been able to stay the course and keep its employees, he was very prepared to go do the new thing. Mm. But I think, um, but but then of course, option three developed Sunday night where you have Satya Nadella saying, yeah. Sam and Greg are going to join Microsoft and all the employees who want can come with them, which was a curveball that I didn't necessarily well, but picture. I, I had heard that that was almost like, because the market is opening on Monday morning, like we've got to say something. So like it was almost a placeholder sort of announcement that like, okay, don't worry, one way or another, Microsoft, we've invested $11 billion in this. Um, so before the market's open, we're, we're going to let the markets know that, hey, one way or another, we're going to come out of this with something tangible. But um, do you feel like that that hiring them away was realer than that? You know, I don't know exactly how close that came together. It certainly felt like Microsoft overstated and then had to kind of walk it back a bit. Because um, my understanding at, at the time was always that Sam was going to go do a new thing, a new startup, if he didn't uh, do the OpenAI, like go back to OpenAI. And so when, when it was like Sam's going to be a unit lead of Microsoft, I could kind of talk myself into it with the what, what we just discussed about maybe it would save him time. Like if you're going to recreate what you did, you can Microsoft will just throw all the resources at you and you'll you'll be able to do it faster. But it just it was hard to picture Sam as like a vice president of Microsoft or whatever, right? Like even even if it was an autonomous unit. So I, I hear I hear what you're saying about it being kind of more like Microsoft trying to placate people. I think Microsoft was also trying to placate themselves, like. They were like, "Hey, we need to we need to feel good about this." Um, but then you have Satya do this like press tour on Monday night, where suddenly he's really walking back right. his own position. Yeah. Um, so let, let me wedge in here real quick. Um, Ilya Siskaver basically flipping. 
Um, uh, so he joins that letter that we talked about that all of the employees signed saying we want Sam back. Uh, is there any, can you tell me anything about that? Like why the flip, like, was there pressure applied? What do we know what he saw that was like, all right, this is, this is not working out or, or did he have legitimate regrets? I, maybe I should give him more credit than, than that, you know? Yeah, I mean, what it, what it's been reported was that um, uh, I think it was the Wall Street Journal reported that Greg Brockman's wife confronts Ilya in the lobby of OpenAI as they've basically reached another low point of Sam is not coming back on you know towards the end of the day on Sunday, and um, Ilya had married them in the OpenAI office years ago they're obviously very close. And so there was this like personal appeal. This is all very Shakespearean at this point. Um, and I also think, you know, from the reporting and from talking to folks that, you know, Ilya is swayed by the employees who are upset that there aren't specifics like, Hey, if this was a general concern about safety or advancements that have been made, um, this was not the way to tackle that or or handle that you know this this self-immolation is not the answer right and like if there's no smoking gun if you can't point to look at this bad thing that sam did we've always known since we joined I'm, i'm i'm speaking for the employees since we joined this company that it is a sort of debate between moving too fast, um, you know, moving with caution, being thoughtful about how this technology develops. So if you blew up the company because you felt like things were moving too fast or, 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 well, we've always known that and you never, there was no chance to like have that debate. It was just like, shut it down. Well, also, you know, as I mentioned, Ilya is in charge of this super alignment group. Um, and, and there is at least effort to be trying to think about safety. And so if, if you feel like that has gone uh, to the backseat and things are moving too fast, maybe that's something to deal with in-house. You know, the idea that yeah. Sam was a dictator who could not be reached or reasoned with um, is disturbing if Ilya really thought that, but it seems like then maybe he changed his mind. Okay, uh, I'm going to speed through this. So Monday is when uh, they announce, okay, <clears throat> they're going to Microsoft. Tuesday. Um, and, and, and for the record, on Monday, you know, what we were writing about, I mean, I was writing about how over 95% of employees right. signed this thing. It was almost unanimous. And not only that, but a lot of visa holders were yeah. going to put their residence uh, into jeopardy um, and, and start a clock where they had 60 days if they quit OpenAI to, to figure out, you know, their, their status or get deported. That was that was all happening on Monday. Um, while while you also have Satya being like, oh, maybe he's not joining Microsoft, but he'll <laughs> still be working with us in some capacity. Ha ha ha. So yeah. Let's be real for a minute. Most guys would wear a t-shirt every day of their lives if they could. The problem is that most t-shirts are not acceptable to wear at work or out on a hot date night. But today's sponsor, Cuts, has finally changed that. Cuts t-shirts are such high-quality, wrinkle-free, and so buttery soft that you can look like you're dressing up even when you're dressing down. Yeah, you heard that. Wrinkle-free. You never have to substitute comfort for fashion ever again. If you see me in a t-shirt, it's likely one from Cuts. I'm also a huge fan of their AO5 pocket pants, the right sort of step up from jeans without going all the way into dress pants, like literally my ideal Venn diagram of professional looking but comfortable feeling. When you touch something from Cuts, you can immediately feel the quality. Their proprietary fabric blends are ridiculously soft and breathable, they don't wrinkle, and they look way more expensive than they actually are. For a limited time, our listeners get 20% off your entire order when you use code RIDE at checkout. That's 20% off your order at cutsclothing.com with promo code RIDE. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Experience the perfect blend of style and comfort with Cuts Clothing. Cutsclothing.com, promo code RIDE for 20% off. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. 
That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Okay, so this is probably the most important part that I missed covering on the show. What is the resolution here? Does the board basically fall on their swords, say that this isn't going to work, let's find a way to bring Sam back. Like, what is the resolution where the board is like, okay, he comes back, but I I believe, at at least at this point, um, Sam and Greg Brockman are not returning to the board and things like that. So, what was the negotiation that the board wanted to get to basically step aside? Yeah, so it, we had multiple uh, efforts and snags where basically starting Sunday, it's like, what are the terms of surrender, or what would the uh, what would the counter coup terms look like? Um, I think there were a bunch of complicating factors. You know, you have a board that just fired a CEO, and they want to protect themselves in terms of what are the terms by which we bring this person back and don't open ourselves to liability for what we did on what we didn't set on Friday. Um, you also have the question of, would Sam and Greg immediately be back on the board? Would, would they stay on the board? Um, you know, it's not like these people who just did something out of principle, even if, even if you disagree with the principle, if that's, you know, if they did it knowing that it wouldn't be popular, um, they're not just gonna immediately reverse course without thinking it through. Um, and, and once they let go of power, they're not getting it back, unlike Sam Altman. So, so I think the board was really thinking like this is our one chance to, to really influence how things go. And and their their first step was actually to try to bring in the interim CEO Emmett Shear right. overnight on Sunday as well. Right. There um, were multiple as, people that were CEOs at some point. It was like that sort of revolving chairs. Sort of, I've, I've been CEO for six hours or whatever. You know. Yeah, I saw someone tweet a funny thing like it was like the new defense against the dark arts role at Hogwarts. <laughs> um, <laughs> But but Emmett Shear also you know reportedly was like I want to see the smoking gun I want to investigate what happened here he doesn't get a good answer either so he's also now like let's figure out a way to bring Sam back and finally that where this is all reaching a crescendo is just what would be the ground rules by which Sam could come back the board could save face a little bit and protect themselves and we would move forward um, and would that happen before Thanksgiving to save people like me <laughs> right <laughs> and also the employees and also everyone who uses open ai okay let me let me just uh, throw a, a bunch of individual questions at you um there subsequently this thing about uh the q asterisk or q or whatever a story came out around thanksgiving that one of the reasons the board jumped when they did was because there was some sort of new breakthrough in ai that happened that spooked them and was like, well, we got to apply the brakes. Um, I feel like that has sort of been walked back by a bunch of places. Do we know where we stand on that? Was there some sort of breakthrough that we're going to learn about in m- the coming months or something that is like, oh, yeah, th- this is why this happened? Yeah, you know, at first, we, were, we again, we were looking for that smoking gun. And so there was talk about this Q-star um, approach to training that basically would allow uh, the model to do math it hadn't seen before. I think Reuters might have been first, but there were a couple of people who had this story um, that that was a big oh snap moment because, um, you know, models, it, it, it implied that the models were reasoning in a way to actually puzzle through something they hadn't seen before. Getting closer um, to AGI, like doing actual thinking as opposed to pattern, pattern matching like LLMs are sort of doing. Yeah, moving away from hot dog, not hot dog to mm-hmm. what is a, is a hot dog a sandwich? Like, you know, mm-hmm. actually thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the narrative that I think people really wanted as well because it helped explain things. I don't think it's quite that neat. It doesn't seem like there was necessarily one 
aha moment. You know, I think I think the answer is kind of unsatisfying for people right now to the, to the latest reporting that that might have been one of a few things that did lead to this position. But that ironically, maybe what the board said in that unsatisfying message that kicked the whole thing off that Sam wasn't communicating with the board kind of does encapsulate a few instances that they were upset, which is insane, but mm. maybe the answer. It feels like things are moving so fast that this is an organization that uh, a lot of people, even Sam, or, you know, th- doesn't have their finger on what exactly is, is evolving in real time. Okay, so I want to I wanna do uh, three more, you know, individual questions, uh, and then I want to uh, talk about one other story unrelated to this that you did recently that I haven't even talked about. But, okay, number one, Sam, do you feel like Sam Altman is happy with the outcome um, as it exists, as we record this on November 29th. I think Sam and Satya would both rewind the clock and, and not have to go through this if they could do it over again. Sure. I don't, nec- I don't subscribe to the idea that this was like the best thing to happen to Sam or that he would like do this again, given the outcome. I do think the outcome ended up about as favorable to Sam as possible. Um, but I, but I think that he would rather have that nonprofit aligned with him, people who supported him. He would rather have a bigger board that was already backing him and have the cult like love of his employees. I think he, if that were the status quo Friday morning, I think that's preferable to going through the next five days. But in essence, he has that all back. Do you agree? Kind of. He has a lot of it back, but this new temporary board with Larry Summers and Brett Taylor mm, right. is going to have to uh, pick more permanent board directors, and that could be a fight. It's unclear if Sam will end up a board director. I think it's likely personally, but it's 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 still to be determined. And this group is supposed to look into what Sam was doing and provide a little more accountability or some sort of a you know third party report um, on what the heck just happened. Again, you could say maybe it's. It, they're predisposed to say all good in conclusion, Sam's back in charge, but it is a little bit more oversight, a little bit of uncertainty for Sam right now. Okay. Number two, obviously again, Microsoft would have preferred that none of this had happened, but are they happy now? Because again, w- w- they had a chance maybe to bring the entire open AI team into Microsoft and, you know, gain a hundred billion dollars in market cap overnight or something like do you feel like that this is satisfactory to them that okay open ai still exists we still control it you know essentially um and it you know let's just forget that that whole week happened i think that microsoft is happy with this outcome because i don't think they wanted to control open ai directly i do agree with others who have reported that they wanted to keep it at arm's length it's much better to be a proxy state of Microsoft than be part of Microsoft. Um, a lot, you know, you can spend a lot more money without your own shareholders complaining. Um, you know, look at Alphabet and how Google has to contort things to basically like still take risky bets without it seeming to undermine the Google core business. I think it's better for them to have OpenAI kind of doing what it's going to do uh, at arm's length there. I also think from uh, a potential control standpoint, you don't want added antitrust scrutiny. You don't want um, tension with your own AI teams who already existed. And you know there were reports that Microsoft was trying to look for alternatives or go beyond just depending on OpenAI for all these tools. And so it would have created weird vendor lock-in issues as well if OpenAI had become a pure Microsoft shop. So I actually think, again, Microsoft would have preferred stability and none of this ever happening. Um, but there, this outcome is better than Sam joining Microsoft. All right. Third and final on this topic. Um, let's imagine that you are somebody and there are a lot of people in the AI community that are concerned of the risks and alignment and things like that. If you are one of those partisans on that side of this debate, has this been a disaster? Has your cause of maybe things are moving too fast, maybe we need to pause, maybe we need to slow down, has this whole drama um, sort of hurt your cause? 
nightmare, total nightmare. I think it, I think it, um, it was a case of the optics almost mattering more than the substance. And yes, I think that unfortunately, um, for folks on the safety side or sort of the pro pro regulation side, it was very easy to smear this move as a doomer move or a deceleration move to use some of the kind of buzzwords of, of tech Twitter today. Um, and it made that camp look incompetent and out of touch. So yes, I think if you are on that side, this was a nightmare situation. With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. I use this, and you should too. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee, so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. I'm going to a big AI startup demo day here in the city tomorrow, and I will 100% be decked out in Mack Weldon clothing. Why? Well, Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes, but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. That's their air-knit underwear. Crazy, comfortable, but elevated sweatpants, the Ace Collection. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads, the Silver Peak Polo. That's my personal fave. And ultra-soft antimicrobial tees for when you need to stay fresh longer. Their Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code RIDE. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code RIDE. Uh, Alex, real quick before I let you go, um, you uh, published a, a piece uh, yesterday, no, two days ago, um, that I haven't had a chance to do on the show, but it's about a um, $10 billion fund uh, backed by uh, one of the WhatsApp founders. Um, again, I actually haven't read the piece, haven't done the story. So I, I'm going to give you, tell me about this story because I, I did want to do it. So um, what is going on with, what is the name of the fund? Newlands. Newlands. Yeah. What is Newlands? Yeah, it was great to be uh, tipping tech memes, something that was not OpenAI related. You know, I, was, uh, <laughs> I was really sick of that. Um, and you know, it was, it was funny, uh, the story really resonated and I, I don't know if it was just cause it's a fun investigation or if we all were, or a lot of us were thirsty for like a interesting rabbit hole that had nothing to do with open AI, but as your palate cleanser, um, we, we found these filings where basically a fund was set up in 2021 in Texas, um, run by a former Sequoia partner, the co-head of its growth team, who keeps a super low profile. And this fund is a ghost, almost no internet presence at all. And yet we found filings that it owned almost $10 billion of public equities, mostly tech stocks alone, including o- almost $3 billion of Meta, a billion dollars of Tesla. So not, not investing, of of others. not the majority of investments in private companies. These are in publicly traded stocks and, and equities. Well, yeah. So for the audience to understand, like the filing is how we kind of got them that we know that they have o- over 9 billion, approaching 10 billion in public equities alone. But we also know from talking to sources, you know, hitting the phone 
that they're starting to invest in startups too. Mm, mm. But they actively don't want people to know about the startup stuff. When we approached founders who had taken their money, the founders were being told not to talk to us. So they, they're starting to make moves in the startup scene, but what they couldn't hide was this really unusually big public equities portfolio, which tells us that this is a heavy hitter, new hedge fund slash crossover firm. Um, and, and what the sources told us was that it's almost all Jan Coombs money. So really unusual situation. Founder, I, founder I, one of the founders of WhatsApp. Right. Um, Forbes values him at $15 billion. He sold the company for $22 billion in 2014, but he also keeps a really low profile. And for anyone who's like, is this a big deal? Um, at least in my knowledge, it's the only time a successful tech founder has ever given multiple billions of dollars, let alone approaching $10 billion to another uh, investor and said, start a firm with this. We've seen this maybe in the, the hedge fund world with, with right. finance billionaires, but this is an extremely unusual situation. So it's almost like this is Jan's family office. Uh, do, do, do we understand, is, is he involved in the investment decision-making? So he is tagged on LinkedIn under a, a bare bones profile called Jan K as a QA testing person. Mm. Um, so he's, a, he's involved, but it's my understanding that he's not leading the investment decisions. It's this also low profile ex Sequoia guy named Michael Abramson and a couple of other investors he brought over. Um, but, you know, we spoke to some experts in family offices and they said that this didn't look like a family office. They said it looked more sophisticated, um, like, like a, a new like a, hedge fund or, or something. Or a Berkshire yeah. Hathaway, a holding company of some sort, yeah. There's a big firm called Iconic in Silicon Valley, which yep, manages yep. the money of a lot of wealthy tech people. Maybe this could end up looking like that. But this is like a, it's an odd duck. It's not just a, not just a usual family office. I wouldn't get so excited writing about a generic family office. Well, and then uh, is the suggestion here that they could be a new heavy hitter in, um, in private company investing. Yeah, I think you're going to see their name a lot more. They're trying to keep low profile, but if they have that much money to deploy in public equities, they have a big stack of chips also for startups. If, if, and when they decide to deploy it more, they're already in the market quietly with startups. And so, yeah, one of my predictions, an easy prediction would be that you start to see the more on Crunchbase and PitchBook or in fundraises that get, you know, put up on tech meme moving forward. Well, all right, Newlands. I'm putting that on my radar for uh, things to look out for. Um, listen, I I cannot thank you enough, um, not only for telling us about that, but um, like I said, answering the bat signal, Alex, to uh, go through the timeline and and you filled in a lot of the gaps that you know uh, even even I wouldn't have been able to do had I been able to do it in real time. So. Um, Again, like the Silicon Valley Bank story, I guess, you know, uh, we wipe our hands and uh, it's everything's back to the way it was, same as it ever was. But man, just a fascinating like week, crazy week. Crazy week. I think we we took a branch of history where you won't see as much of a short term divergence as we might have. But I do think in the months and years to come, we will look back on this and see interesting fault lines or threads that developed. We just don't know them yet. Well, especially because Brett Taylor, again, uh, with the whole Elon connection, which Elon is against. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, a- Alex Conrad on Twitter. I'm not going to call it X, uh, but also read him uh, or listen to me quote him all the time. He writes for Forbes. Thank you, Alex. Thanks so much. One, two. Three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.